This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including the decisive battles of world history. For this limited time 80% offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us the Weekly Standard is Michael Warren. And Michael, I lived in Massachusetts for eight years, and I never saw the word, I thought I'd see here the four words together, presidential nominee Link Chafee. That can't be right. <laughs> in his own mind, it's always been there, but uh, but, but, but not in uh, reality. It's, well, uh, it's kind of amazing when you think about it that uh, this guy who was a Republican senator, uh, an independent, uh, at least elected independent governor of Rhode Island, and then switched halfway through is, uh, is now a Democrat. Uh, thinks uh, thinks he can he can run for president, but on the other hand, you know nobody else is running in the Democratic Party, so he's probably thinking, why not me? I I just remember the uh, the uh, famous uh, words about politics: as go goes Pawtucket, so goes America. So who am I to challenge? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think he would be the uh, the the first. Uh, would he be the first Brown graduate uh, in uh, in the White House? I think so. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. There's a first time for everything, I guess. So you're saying it's not Rhode Island birthplace of presidents? That's not what we're saying here. What What's interesting to me is, on occasion, because I do talk radio and people talk about different they often say, "Why can't we get somebody who I like?" People who were, you know, <clears throat> formerly Republicans and became Democrats or vice versa. You know, this notion that somewhere out there there's this person who's kind of all things to all people, and they never get. You know they're never elected president because, of course, no one ever nominates them to be president because Democrats like nominating Democrats and Republicans like nominating Republicans. Yeah, that's true. And look, if if we're talking about potential people who fit that uh, that description, who could who could be plausible, you know, candidates against Hillary Clinton, why not uh, Jim Webb, who was uh, famously in the uh, in the Reagan administration and then became a Democrat? He at least has something interesting to offer. The Democratic Party and uh, and swing independent voters, uh, Lincoln Chafee is is really uh, I think not even not even the last on the list of, of people who who Democrats uh, think is, is could be their champion. He's not even on the list. Uh, I think people don't even may not even realize he's a Democrat. So uh, I think this is uh, this is a lot about vanity. I noticed there's a, a book he's hawking on his uh, exploratory committee's website. Um, and uh, and and this is seems more like a cry for attention. But you know who am I to say? Maybe the voters uh, have uh, have a different uh, opinion of the guy. Link Chafee is essentially like a glamorless Kennedy. He's like Patrick Kennedy without the ambient or the intellectual heft. So I don't see and, this and, going. And a, and a, perf- a perfect example of where the the apple falls uh, so far from the tree uh, uh, from his his father, a, a marine and. Uh, 
and uh, senator and governor himself. So yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a I don't know, it's kind of a joke. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be joking so much about it. Uh, it would be a challenge, interesting challenge to Hillary. <laughs> Uh, but 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 uh, uh, I think it's it's pretty much a joke. I'm pretty sure that we will not see the blooper reel on 2017 as President Chafee sworn in, and there's the audio of Michael Warren and Michael Graham <laughs> mocking him. But you've mentioned <laughs> two things now: a political father and a candidate who kind of in, it wants to be in the all things to all people category, and that brings to mind Rand Paul. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, watching his announcement uh, this week, uh, everybody's been talking about, wow, is this going to be a Bush-Clinton matchup in, uh, in 2016? Of course, uh, we have another political scion in Rand Paul who wouldn't really be uh, anywhere without his father and sort of leading that movement. Uh, I-, I was struck by a couple of lines in his announcement speech, and uh, one in particular in which he sort of try- tries to thread a needle. Uh, you know, as-, as-, as people who've been paying attention know, he's Rand Paul's been working on sentencing reform uh, for nonviolent drug crimes. He's been working with uh, Democrats on this issue. It's sort of a libertarian uh, issue. It doesn't really have a lot of uh, of interest among uh, your sort of run-of-the-mill Republican primary voters. Uh, so he can't really tout that in uh, in an announcement that he's running for the Republican nomination. So he, he says something interesting uh, that uh, he is for repealing laws uh, that have uh, sort of a uh, disproportionate uh, incarceration rate uh, across uh, races. Um, and I think that's problematic uh, in a lot of ways. He's trying to sort of make an equal and before the law kind of argument, but he ends up sort of calling for the repeal of a lot of laws that Republicans uh, uh, would be generally uh, for, you know, uh, whether it's uh, uh, drug laws, uh, uh, criminal gang activity. And, uh, and I think he, he ends up, uh, uh, sort of unmoored from any sort of principled position by by arguing, uh, you know, for what is essentially a liberal policy uh, to a conservative audience. No, I, I mean, if you're going to talk about disproportionate impact, you, you, you'd be getting rid of the laws against murder based on pure statistics. But, you know, his campaign tried to explain afterwards, and, I, and interestingly, I see where he's going, particularly in this moment where we see that the uh, policing policies that have resulted in increased contacts, as the police call it, with the minority community have spun out into these stories from Ferguson through to North Charleston, South Carolina of, you know, black Americans ending up dead at the hands of police for whatever reason, you know, whether the, in the it's case of North Charleston where the police officer appears to be dreadfully in the wrong or whether it's a case in Ferguson where it appears that the police officer didn't do anything wrong. And I right. see him going there, but you're right, Michael, there is no Republican constituency for this. Let me run a Rand Paul path towards success, if not victory, by you, which is he gives the vibe that you hear so often. This kind of goes back again to Link Chafee to the, well, I'm a fiscal conservative, social moderate kind of guy. He gives off that vibe because libertarianism by its nature simply leaves social issues off the government table. There's just no government action either way. And so it appeals to the people who have that vibe, but yet at the same time, he is, for example, strongly pro-life. He's on certain issues important to social conservatives. He's an open, a tireless champion. Could he possibly, I won't call it thread the needle, but let's say simultaneously thread two needles that don't seem that close to each other? Uh, that's a difficult question, uh, but I, I will attempt to answer it. I, I think Rand Paul is, is, is a little more uh, of a likely 
uh, uh, you know, candidate, uh, uh, somebody who could pick up some more votes than his father was. But I think he also suffers from something his father uh, suffered from, which is that he, he's kind of a, a, a blank slate or an empty vessel in which uh, libertarians, whoever, you know, however you define a libertarian or however libertarians define themselves, kind of pour their their desires, their political desires into. And, and so uh, I, I'm sure there are quite a few people who have very socially liberal views who say, well, you know, Rand Paul really doesn't believe that's the sort of thing he has to say. I think, he, I think Rand Paul suffers uh, uh, from, from that uh, perception uh, because ultimately he's going to have to make some, some tough calls on that uh, on a debate stage, for instance, or if he does end up becoming president, uh, as president. Uh, you've seen a lot of this on the, uh, not so much on the social issues recently, but on a lot of foreign policy. He's, he's ended up sort of trying to uh, have it both ways to be this sort of uh, uh, smart non-interventionist that he, he and uh, his father seem themselves to be, uh, while also saying, well, you know, uh, I, I, I don't really, you know, he signed the Tom Cotton letter. He doesn't really like this uh, Iran deal. And I think he's, he's ended up ticking off a lot of his, his father's most ardent supporters who ultimately joined up with the Ron Paul revolution because they were opposed to the Iraq war. I, I think he's got a problem in that, and uh, there's, there's really no good solution for him uh, that, that ends with him winning the Republican primary. He's just going to tick off too many people. And speaking of ticking off people, he's ticked off some members of the press because of his uh, contentious arguments uh, with them. And my question to you is whether it was the uh, NBC uh, uh, interview or the the other, I, I don't recall the network right now, but they both happen to involve women, and so you had some piling on from the usual suspects in the media, look, Rampal has a woman problem, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is that going to hurt him in the Republican primary by making it look like he's not ready for prime time, or is it going to help him by giving him the Newt Gingrich factor that we saw <laughs> in 2012, where nobody went to bed at night thinking, honestly, the sentenced President Newt Gingrich, and yet he managed to win uh, South Carolina and, uh, and uh, get some decent poll numbers and raise some money for a while? Yeah, I believe the other network was CNBC. So uh, I don't think Rand Paul is going to uh, lose any votes for going after uh, uh, members of the larger NBC News division. Uh, but look, I think the, the, it's overblown to sort of make this a sort of sexist issue with Rand Paul that he was going after uh, uh, female anchors. I think he's got uh, uh, he, he, he believably would do the same thing if the anchors were male. I do think, though, that Rand Paul has a bit of a, uh, a thin skin, short fuse problem, and uh, this doesn't really have as much to do with uh, doing so with, with members of the media, but in general, I think he, he, he does sort of, uh, he's a little bit uh, uh, prickly when it comes to criticisms of, of him or his positions, or when people say, you know, you differ from the, from the Republican Party traditionally on this issue or that issue. Um, look, he can't have it both ways. Uh, he cast himself as a different kind of Republican, uh, but he's, he's really got to own it. So a, a lot of those things that with, the, with Savannah Guthrie in the Today Show, she was sort of bringing up, well, you, you differ here with uh, the Republican Party on this, and you've changed your views on this, that, or the other. He's got to be able to, to answer those questions and, and say why he's different on these issues and why that's okay, why Republicans should still want to vote for him, even if he differs, or, or you know, convince them that his position is, is the right one. Uh, so I think it has less to do with going after female anchors and more to do with sort of uh, his prickliness on, uh, on really any criticism or, or suggestion that he's not a, a, a real Republican.
Well, as the uh, token house cheerleader for Rand Paul at the Weekly Standard, <laughs> it is my duty to step up and point out that you can say what you want, but in the recent Quinnipiac poll of three key purple states, Virginia, Iowa, and Colorado, there was only one Republican, Mr. Warren, who was leading uh, Mrs. Bill Clinton. Yeah, that's right. It was Rand Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, I think that uh, this is, I would say this that poll suggests more of a problem for the general Republican field than it does uh, a booster for Rand Paul, because you've even got Rand Paul, just a, a, what was it, a point or two uh, leading uh, right. Hillary Clinton. Um, I mean, this is this is not, I think, good for, for Republicans. Republicans are going to have to come up with a, a better uh, argument against uh, Hillary Clinton and the Democrats in 2016, See, just Hillary Clinton. That's interesting to me because I saw the flip, which is I was you know, I facetiously mentioned the Rand Paul thing. What was significant to me is Hillary Clinton's poor numbers. Um, you've had the Republicans who have taken a real beating in the media nonstop now for, I, I don't even, it's hard to go back to the beginning of this stuff, going through the Re- Religious Freedom Restoration Act, etc., and you've had Hillary Clinton, who has cre- obviously created negative news stories for her, and yet she hasn't, you know, there, there hasn't, the media haven't gone after her the way they would a Republican. And then you have the argument that Republicans, you know, are a, uh, an off-year election party now, that they, you know, the, they, they have a the more motivated base, but not a general election group. And all of a sudden, you've got this poll where the candidates across the board are competitive with Hillary Clinton. Why isn't Hillary Clinton holding a solid you know, uh, five, eight-point lead over these Republicans, many of whom people haven't even really heard of, and she's got the highest possible name ID in politics. Yeah, Michael, I've got to give you credit for the optimistic view of, of this poll. That's, uh, <laughs> I haven't thought about it that way. Uh, and, and for somebody who seems to always uh, be pessimistic about Republicans' chances, uh, maybe I should uh, I should consider that. I, I, you're right. I mean, they have been hammered at, to the Republicans' credit, they all, they all uh, defended the Indiana law uh, pretty much the same way, and, and, and I think admirably. And uh, they don't seem to have suffered from this several months of, of sort of intense focus. Uh, and, and perhaps this does show a, a, a weakness uh, for Hillary Clinton right. uh, uh, going into 2016. Yeah, and so, this is where... Uh, look, you may, you may be right. I want to wrap this up by, I can't bring in Lee Chafee because he's just a disaster at every level, but to wrap it up with Rand Paul, which is, you mentioned that they defended the, the uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and they did, and, and they maybe that defense was admirable in principle, but effectively it was terrible. They never took RIFRA and made it what it should have been, which is the case of that poor woman in Washington state who's going to lose her home and her business. And a majority of Americans agree it's wrong to force someone to participate in a same-sex marriage as a caterer or whatever who doesn't agree. And this, to me, is yet another ham-fisted way that you see Republicans handling issues where they should be winning. And I think that's one of the things that Rand Paul does for non-Republicans is even though you and I see the contradictions, we see the, if you want to call them hypocrisies or minor flip-flopses or major flip-flops, whatever, that he is going to non-Republican voters and saying, highlighting aspects of small government, uh, you know, politics that they like. 
And that's the thing that I hope the other candidates can learn from Rand Paul is, guys, you're not in the business of making the, you know, Michael Graham, you know, uh, audience like you more. You've got them. You're in the business of reaching this other audience and opening a door for them. Uh, and uh, and that's that's what I wonder if we don't see some just tiny little, you know, uh, glimmers of in this early polling, both Hillary uh, going down and then people who maybe traditionally won't think of voting Republican saying, well, you know, there is a Republican I would vote for. It's that Rand Paul guy. Uh, I'll end with a counter to that argument, which I think is a very strong and, and, and intriguing argument, by saying that I'm not so convinced that that uh, the Republican voter is really, uh, uh, and I think the Republican voter, not the sort of party, uh, uh, you know, guy, but but the person who is most uh, uh, obviously should be voting Republican. I don't think that voter is sewn up by the by the GOP uh, just just quite yet. Um, I think that mm. uh, speaks in a lot of ways to the problems Mitt Romney faced. Um, and, and I look at, and I've been to uh, a couple of times when Rand Paul has gone to uh, uh, historically black colleges, Howard University, I saw him there, and I saw him at Bowie State in Maryland uh, a few weeks ago. And, and what I see is, is a guy who, who's uh, approaching a, 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 an interest group, in this case uh, African-American voters, with sort of a one issue and saying, look, I agree with you on this. Now, here are all these other issues that you should consider. <laughs> I think that they're going to say, wow, Rand Paul, you agree with me on that. Now I'm going to continue voting Democrat. Exactly. So I think it's, it, it could be a, a faulty uh, strategy. There. I, and, and so we were going to close on that, but i got to turn one, one th- more thing in here because I think it's relevant and it is the uh, conversation that sp- has sprung up with Rand Paul in the last 24 hours over abortion. And the point isn't the issue of abortion per se. It's that Rand Paul has done something that I, I've been waiting for Republicans to do which is instead of answering defensively, oh my gosh, I really support women and blah, 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 flipping around and saying, why don't you ask the Democrats about their support for abortion up to the day of birth, which is a position that a, a, a tiny fraction of the American electorate faces. And I think, once again, I, I'm hoping that Republicans are paying attention to how Rand Paul fights to learn how to fight that fight, but with issues that maybe have a broader appeal among Republican and uh, traditional Republican-leaning independents. I, I agree with you. I thought that was a, a great answer from Rand Paul. And, and, and just very quickly, this was a, uh, a strategy that Republicans didn't even really have to do much for uh, in 2014. Mark Udall really backed himself into right. the corner by endorsing abortion pretty much on demand uh, in an attempt to kind of make Republicans look like extremists. He ended up looking like the extremist, and I think that worked in Republican hands. Maybe, maybe the strategy should be uh, uh, to Republicans to keep their mouths shut and uh, to just force <laughs> Democrats to say what they really believe. Oh, find me a Republican for running for president who can keep his mouth shut, Michael Warren, and I'd be so happy. Thanks, so much, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us on this pod. And notice I didn't throw in a cheap Ted Cruz shot when I. <laughs> oh wait, I guess I just did. Michael Warren, thanks so much for joining us for the podcast. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.